Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, here to talk about some Philadelphia Eagles goodness today. Joined, as always, by the one, the only, PFF Zone, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's heresy. I still have my cowboy shirt on. Um, we're still going to do, we will do the right thing for the Eagles because as much as Ian and I love the Cowboys, um, we like to win fantasy championships even more. Do I think the Eagles are bringing back the Kelly green jerseys? I think that was a storyline. Um, Those are yeah. hot. Yeah. Look, we, we, we all know the powder blue chargers Jersey is number one. Like that's fine. But number two for my money, that Kelly green Eagles looks awfully good when Mike Vick had that big game coming in for I think it was like Kevin Kolb a couple years ago and all of a sudden he's the old Mike Vick again fun times everyone <laughs> not gonna be eh, actually I do have another Mike uh Mike Vick note for you guys later but anyway as we're going through the team previews as we have done before gonna be looking at coaching changes roster movement before diving in deep into the quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end rooms for all 32 teams over the course of the next eight weeks so strap on in let's talk some Philadelphia Eagles and the coaching staff is back. We got head coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, and defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon all back for the second straight season. The question is, inside of that first season, what version of the offense are we going to get? Because from weeks one through seven, Eagles ranked fifth in situation neutral pass play rate, but then heavily shifted towards the run first offense weeks eight through 18. 46.8% pass play rate, more than a 20% drop off, became the NFL's single most run heavy offense. Now, Dwayne Sirianni in March did basically say the Eagles were going to continue to be a run first offense. When you trade the house and then you decide to sign AJ Brown to a $100 million deal, though, you could see why things would progress more towards being a pass first unit. Where is kind of your expectation for the sort of passing volume we're going to have in this offense? Because this was a fast moving offense, fifth and situation neutral, um, just pace last season. So that's good to hear. But what are we going to get? Because, you know, I don't think they're going to be fifth. I don't think they're going to be dead last either. It's kind of tough to move from dead last up to, you know, anything above average. If you had to guess where you think this offense levels out from a pass play rate perspective. Um, I think it'll be either just below average or right at average. You know, that's where I'm I'm going to project it. I'll project it slightly below average just because it was so far down. And the thing you have to remember, anytime you have a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like we see this, that adds on. That ends up adding on to, you know, a lot of those do start off as dropbacks, you know, that turn into scrambles. Jalen Hurts has one of the highest scramble rates in the league. So that's just an additional thing that you got to deal with. Same thing for the Ravens. Same thing um, back in the day when Russell Wilson used to scramble more. I mean, a lot of these run heavy offenses, like they, it really gets exacerbated by the fact that the quarterback runs too. Um, but I think having said that, you know, looking to your point, when you look back and the sample I was looking at was um, from weeks one, you know, through week six. Yeah. I mean, it was a 71%, you know, passing offense. <laughs> Um, but you know, like you mentioned, Sirianni has already said that they're going to continue to do that. Yes, it was before AJ Brown, but at the same time, like coaches, you know, when something's working and you're winning, you know, I mean, it's not like they're going to completely go away from it. So I do think it will be somewhere in the middle. Um, I think the most telling thing is even when the game was within three points. So in close games, neutral scripts, minus 10% versus the NFL average, their drop back rate. So it's not like it was just 3%, it's 10% below. So I think you, I think you did a good job in a nutshell of summarizing, like, Look, when something's so far off, it's hard It's hard to just say, oh, wow, it's just all of a sudden going to swing back. And I see a lot of folks on Twitter, they, and I interact, and I have the conversation <laughs> too. Look, we all want them to turn into a pass-heavy team because we want A.J. Brown to get fed. We want Devonta Smith to get fed. We want Dallas Goddard to get fed. But the fact of the matter is, like, they will be lucky to really be probably average or above average in dropback. I was about to say, if we can get to 18th, 20th, like that'd be great. Having expect having expectations for anything above that, probably unrealistic based on what we saw last year and on Sirianni's offseason uh, comments. In terms of skill position turnover, maybe the least that's happened in the league. I mean, before the A.J. Brown trade, we would have had absolutely nothing to talk about here because really the only moves at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end – Jordan Howard remains an unrestricted free agent. I mean, had seven different games last year with double-digit touches. He was truly a thorn in the side of Miles Sanders down the stretch. Wasn't bad. Maybe he comes back for now. He's out of the picture. They did go ahead and sign Zach Pascal, formerly of the Colts. One year, 1.5. Fully guaranteed uh, deal. Will seemingly be competing for that number three wide receiver spot with guys like Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, etc. 
Obviously the big move though. AJ Brown, Eagles traded number 18 and number 101 overall picks in order to get AJB, who then immediately signed a four-year $100 million deal. I mean, number four in PFF receiving grades since entering the league, number four in yards per outrun, number eight in yards per reception, number 10 in QB rating when targeted. Anyone's idea of a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. But Dwayne, there's no, there's not a single available target for these guys. Anything AJ Brown gets, which will be a lot, is going to come at the expense of other pass catchers in this offense. Yeah, and I think that's what we can expect AJ Brown to do. I mean, when you look at Brown, and I put a tweet out about this like a, I don't know, a couple of days ago, whenever I was doing the re- some research ahead of time for the Eagles. Um, wow, like when you look at his targets per route run, twenty nine percent, which you really need to look at with AJ Brown because he does miss time. And I know, look, he could miss time. You know, again, like totally within the range of outcomes. But yards per route run, two point four nine. He's one of only four receivers in the league last year to actually average over two point five zero. Uh, yards per route run against man coverage and zone coverage. So, I mean, it's, look, I, I don't make up the rules. Like (laughs) all I can do is, you know, I sit here and we try like, we try to interpret the data and get it to folks. And I mean, AJ Brown lights up like everything we want from a talent perspective, you know, bright blue, like, I mean, it looks, it it looks like you're looking at Justin Jefferson, Cooper cup. Um, It's better than what we see with CD lamb, but we've got the situation where what's going to happen with the passing offense. I will say that um, I know we'll get into Jalen hurts in in a minute, Um, but I mean, hurts did take a step forward, right? As far as, you know, his completion percentage, he, again, we, we saw what it looked like with Tampa Bay. You don't need to like, you know, hit me up on Twitter about (laughs) it, but let's not just take one game. Like overall for the course of the season, Jalen hurts did get better. Is he a great passing quarterback at this point in his career? No. And that's why the Eagles will probably continue to run the ball plenty. But to your point, I think A.J. Brown will be the clear number one receiver on the team. I don't think it'll, you know, I think obviously Goddard's going to get some work. Devonta Smith will get some work. But I, I truly expect A.J. Brown to be, you know, 25 to 35, 25 to 30 percent, you know, of the targets when he's healthy. I mean, if you look at him last year, that's the thing with, with Brown. A lot of people also be like, well, he only averaged 13.9 points, you know, per game. Like you have to go back and like if you get rid of the games where he didn't get to finish the game because he wasn't healthy. He actually averaged, he averaged 16.3 fantasy points per game and a 31% target share in games where he was out there for at least 79% of the routes. So I expect a similar type of situation. You know, the question will be, can he have the same kind of mojo that he had with Brian Tannehill, which was top level? I was going to try to surprise you. Get your ass later on the where A.J. Brown ranks in fantasy points per game since 2019 because I was surprised to see it as low as uh, 18th. Not only had you already seen that yourself, but you proved, uh, you know, why that's a bad number, why it's bad analysis before I could even try to get you on that very point, Dwayne. So kudos to you on uh, coming prepared to the PM. Preemptive strike. Football. Yeah, there we go. Well done by you. Only draft pick addition to any of these rooms was tight end slash wide receiver Grant Calcaterra. Six-round pick, not expecting much out of him, at least this year, in terms of fantasy track record of players not selected inside of the top three rounds. With that said, the only reason he fell this far was because of his kind of scary concussion history. So not not ideal that he has a scary concussion history as someone that personally has a not exactly, you know, What's the opposite of scary? I don't have a good concussion history. We'll put it that way. Uh, but but with with Grant, like, you know, maybe he does pick it up. He's 6'4", 240, and runs a 4'6", 40-yard uh, dash. If there was going to be a six-round pick that you maybe expect to overcome those odds, it would be someone that has day one or day two talent. Maybe that is Grant. But in this crowded offense, don't expect anything for 2022. And that's going to wrap up the rest of our Grant Calcaterra uh, talk <laughs> on this podcast. Let's talk Jalen Hurst, Dwayne, because, yeah, chill out on – the idea that he just can't throw the ball. Looking at last year, he was 16th in PFF passing grade. That's better than Jimmy G, better than Russell Wilson. Average 7.1 yards per attempt, more than Patrick Mahomes did. Even his adjusted completion rate was ahead of guys like Mac Jones and Josh Allen. Now you can take all the holes. I'm not saying he's better than any of those quarterbacks I just listed, but my God, Dwayne, like just the slander that Hurts and Lamar Jackson get on, like in terms of their ability to pass the ball, you would think they're out there like literally trying to play left-handed. No offense to Tua uh, on that one. So just it's one of these things, man, where these rushing quarterbacks, it's like we compare them to pocket passers and just completely leave the rushing floor that they give their offense out of the picture. The Eagles were like a top 12 offense in scoring an EPA per play last season. 
that's that's all to do with Jalen Hurts, the freaking quarterback, and what he brings to the table as a rusher. This was one of the best seasons we have ever seen from a quarterback in terms of his rushing uh, production. There's only been six instances ever of a quarterback racking up 125, or excuse me, eight instances ever of a quarterback having at least 125 fantasy points. Why did I pick that arbitrary number? Because that's where Michael Vick's single best season ever was. So Jalen Hurts in 2021 was more productive on the ground than Mike Vick ever was in a single season. That's what he can bring to the table on the ground. So I, what happened, Dwayne? How come Mike Vick was allowed to be an erratic passer, but we all accepted how great he was on the ground. But when Lamar or Jalen Hurts do it, they get slandered no end. I'm tired of it. <laughs> it's just the new era, man. You know, people, people, want, man. people want to see both, right? Yeah. They want to see the guys be able to do both because like we've just become more used to it. But, but yeah, I totally get where you're coming from on it. Yeah. With Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned, like he improved across the board, man. Um, passing grade went from a 57.5 to 73.4, 73.4 yards per attempt, 7.2 to 7.3. The league average is 7.3. So Jalen Hurts is at least average. And guess what? The number one individual stat that you can use at any player level that correlates the most with winning in the NFL is passing yards per attempt. Like there's not another stat that correlates more, at least one that I've seen ones that we regularly look at, right? I'm sure there's one that somebody's invented, you know, that that does a better job, but I'm talking something that most of the audience knows what the hell we're talking about. Yards per attempt passing like that is the thing. So Jalen Hurts is at least at that average level. Um, Look, man, looking at him this year from a fantasy standpoint, um, man, I'm so he has number one overall potential. I think we have to say it. When you've got Devonta Smith, now look, we know that AJ Brown's gonna gonna be the likely alpha, but like he has three quality targets. Devonta Smith, you know, scored really well in the PFF rookie receiving grade that we look at. You go back and any of these receivers um, that have uh, scored a seventy five point oh or better in their rookie season, like if you go look at that list, I have an article up. You know, go back check it out. Trust us, it's a really freaking good list. And Devonta Smith's on that list. So, like, he has two good wide receivers. And then you also have Dallas Goddard. Has Goddard ever truly lived up to the potential that we've hoped for? No. But, like, some of the underlying stats for Goddard, like, they're there. We'll we'll talk about them more when we get to the tight ends in a minute. But there are three quality options. You know, it's a team that the opposing defense has to respect the run game. Hurts has got the upside as far as being a rusher. Uh, I just think there's a ton of things to like about Jalen, Jalen Hurts. Like I already thought he was arbitrage um, Lamar Jackson. Um, now it's like, man, I'm, I'm torn. Like, do I just put him in the same tier as Lamar Jackson? You know, but before it was kind of like playing it cute. Like we'll put him right down below like Russell Wilson, <laughs> but know that if you draft him, you could be getting Lamar Jackson. Now it's just like, okay, like let's just rank him right after Lamar Jackson. That's the thing. He's already been such a damn good fantasy performer. Like what's the ceiling going to look like? I mean, last two seasons, 74% of his starts, he's finished as a QB1, top 12. That's higher than any other quarterback in the NFL. And look what he's freaking been dealing with, man. Just some of the, you know, cool stats we can find PFF behind the scenes. Eagles are one of just nine offenses to post a catch rate, a 75% or worse on 20-yard passes that were deemed to be catchable in English. When Hertz was throwing the ball downfield, it was catchable a lot of times. I mean, this was actually, if you just look at, you know, his adjustable completion rate and all that, you know, throwing downfield, Hertz was not a bad downfield passer. The Eagles were not coming down with the catchable ones uh, like you would expect them to in a actually good offense. Fifth highest percentage of dropbacks for not a single pass catcher was considered open by PFF on the season. Listen to the wide receivers, Dwayne. Uh, Jalen Hertz has had to wake up on fall Sundays and throw the football too. A rookie year version of Devontae Smith, who, like you said, was good. Great. You got Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins, Travis Fulgham, John Hightower, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Deontay Burnett, a freaking 50-year-old Alshon Jeffrey, and a 60-year-old Deshaun Jackson. Like, this has been miserable. What quarterback would be balling out in this offense throwing the football? Come the hell on. I know Goddard's there, too, and they had Zach Ertz before, so chill out, Philly. I understand you guys have good tight ends. We can't talk about the Eagles without mentioning the good tight ends, but, man, Dwayne, when I look at his stats, he's not any worse than a lot of mid kind of quarterbacks that don't have anything close to the rushing upside here. I mean, we look at the stable metrics, and passing grade from a clean pocket, 22nd among 38. Standard dropback, he's 21st. First and second down, ninth, no play action, 12th, passes out or beyond the sticks, he's 19th. By all accounts, Jalen Hurts seems to be an average passer whose offense looks a hell of a lot better on paper going into this year, and the floor was already a high-to-mid-end high, end, a high to mid-end fantasy QB1 based on the rushing upside. 
Maybe we do get him in that tier. I think we, we both have him QB6 right now behind those guys, but he's in a tier of his own at QB6 if that's the case. Yeah, I think, and I don't have him there yet. Um, I still have him right there by Russ, but like, that's where my heart is at, Ian. That's where my heart Move is. Move him. What are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, I've been, dude, I've been buried in receivers. Like, I quarterbacks <laughs> were like in a good enough spot. Like, I felt good, but he's definitely like, because I've, again, like getting prepped for these shows and been, you know, doing the team projections as we're going along through it. Like, and so it's kind of like that refinement moment, but I'm definitely, the, I think I'm there. I think I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and make the move. Love it. And with that, we can move on to running backs, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gamewell, and Boston Scott. Quietly a very nice offseason for Miles Sanders. Again, it's not great if we have to like cite Jordan Howard in the year 2022, not coming back as a reason why we're behind this guy. But the fact that they got through the draft and they didn't do him anything and that in free agency, they haven't felt the need to replace Howard with, you know, an early down grinder. It's good news for Miles Sanders. So last year, 144 rush attempts, caught 29 passes in 13 games, including the playoffs, did not find the end zone once. Just one of 10 instances of a running back having at least 100 touches without a score since 2010. Out of that group, Dwayne, only Melvin Gordon, who scored 12 times. He was the only guy, though, to score more than even three times the next season. So a lot of these guys were scat backs. I'm not saying that Miles Sanders is never going to score again because Steele Riddick couldn't do it uh, back in the day or anything. But it's certainly not a great group to be in. Wouldn't say that Melvin Gordon 12 touchdown total looks all that realistic. But what I found was interesting when I dove into this, Dwayne, because I got some really good numbers on how offenses have enabled skill position players when they've had a run-heavy quarterback. I define run-heavy quarterback as 80 rush attempts on the year, 16 games, five rush attempts per game, comes out to 80. Just trying to use, you know, some pretty basic numbers here. And it's not great for running backs, but the average running back rank for these offenses, and there's been 27 of them since 2015, so decent sample size, RB25 was the average and RB25 was the median. That's a higher actually than where Miles Sanders is going right now. So Miles Sanders, out of all these guys in the offense, is actually most fairly priced relative to having to deal with a run-heavy quarterback. But one of the things, Dwayne, like we've seen in Arizona, all those goal line rush attempts that James Conner was able to get, and they've kind of been able to have this highly productive fantasy running back time after time, regardless of who it is just because of some of that goal line usage. And my initial thought was that Jalen Hurts was taking all that usage. Not really though, man. The Eagles last year, they were one of four offenses that actually gave their running backs 20 plus carries inside the five yard line. Hurts vultured him plenty, but it was more so just unlucky, man. Like Hurts had seven goal line scores. Boston Scott had seven. Jordan Howard had three. And Miles Sanders, of course, had zero. But if you look at the games where Sanders was healthy, he had 15 goal line snaps. Scott had eight. Gamble had four. And Jordan Howard had one. I've said a lot here. We've had to jump through some hoops to explain why Sanders, you know, didn't have that good touchdown luck. Maybe you just think he's bad. But this offense isn't incapable of enabling a good fantasy running back. Man, we just need Sanders to actually have a little bit better luck in the goal line. The opportunities are there to do it. Like, why is James Conner going as a top 10 back and maybe top 15, I guess, and Miles Sanders is being completely cast aside? Because Dwayne, the offense is in terms of the run heavy quarterback, not all that different. I, I think Conner has a larger workload. I'm not saying that I'm arguing Sanders should be ahead of him, but where Sanders is going, man, I am very okay with based on a lot of this. Yeah, I am as well. I mean, Sanders was really on pace for the same kind of workload in the red zone or inside the five, whichever one you want to look at last year, um, except, you know, for the injuries. I mean, he was on pace to be around 40%, you know, of each of those, which isn't bad. Like, no. yeah, we want Baxter at 60%, but look, there's only so many of them around. <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of had to, you got to go with what you have. And the thing that, that Sanders does have is he's gotten more explosive each season. Um, he went from a 10 plus yard uh, carry rate. So explosive plays being um, carries of 10 yards or more 9% to 10%. And last year he had a 15%. And so his missed tackles force, you know, a little bit below the league average last year, but typically he's a guy that's above the league average on those, which is 17%. Um, he was at 18% the year before last year went down to 13%, but his yards per carry behind a good offensive line, 5.3 and 5.5 over the last two years. So I look, I'm with you on Sanders. Like he's a guy that like, honestly, probably one of the guys in all the research that you know i've kind of done like to this point of guys that i've really just when i got done been like wow like i should take this player more like especially yeah. at adp like miles sanders definitely um is a guy that i'm going to start drafting more look we know it's going to be a committee 
um, because that's really what the Eagles do. Um, but I thought the research that, you know, you just talked about is not necessarily a, a full on death blow just because you have a running quarterback. The issue is that they re- they did bring back, you know, Scott, which is not a guy that we think like Boston Scott, like is not some like, you know, alpha yeah. player, but we know they like to get him involved in the passing game. We know last year the plan was a real, was originally to use Kenneth Gainwell in the passing game. So I do think he's still going to have to deal with those two players. That's really been the biggest issue for Miles Sanders. When he came out of college, there was really, he, he profiled as a guy that could potentially be nice in, in the passing game. And so 47% of the dropbacks in year one, last year, uh, last year, that was down to, sorry, second year, 41%. And then last year down to 34%. Now I did not adjust those for games missed, but still like we would like to see him be a back. That's like around 55, 60%, you know, um, of the routes run. He's probably not going to get to that, but again, where he's going right now, um, from an ADP standpoint, um, yeah, it's just, it's, he's, he's running back 28 right now on FFPC. I mean, so, um, thanks to fantasy mojo for sharing the ADP data with us, but like, that's, that's, um, that's a, that's a price that you can definitely afford. Like you still, when you're pulling the trigger on guys like, um, Kareem hunt, Tony Pollard, um, you know, chase Edmonds, even like Miles Sanders is, is another player that I'm definitely going to want to get some exposure to. I'm taking him ahead of all those guys. I don't think Boston Scott is scoring seven more touchdowns inside the five-yard line this year, Dwayne. Call me crazy. Maybe if they play the Giants every single week, Boston Scott can put up those types of numbers. But to my knowledge, that is not the way how the schedule's uh, worked out. But I also, you know, kind of faded the schedule release uh, news anyway, so maybe I'm wrong there. Let's also give Sanders some credit for playing through the pain over the past two seasons. I mean, he's had hamstring, knee, and ankle issues, and he broke his hand in freaking like week 16, played through that in the playoffs. So fully healthy 2022 really would be welcomed by open arms, I think, with everyone. He's a great, great option if you find yourself loading up at wide receivers because where he is going, he is truly shaping out to be one of the cheaper starting running backs. And again, 17 of 27 offenses with a run-heavy quarterback produced a top 30 running back in PPR points per game. So similar to our discussion on Zico Elliott, like there are red flags for Sanders. And that's okay because all those flags are being priced into his ADP and we are comfortable now take overly him. priced really overly yeah. priced i mean i'm with you i have him ahead of pollard ahead of edmonds ahead of yeah. Hunt, ahead of Cordero patterson ahead of james cook michael carter damian pierce like those are the guys i have after him the guys that i have in front of him i've got jk dobbins antonio gibson ezekiel elliott clyde Edwards alaire damian harris josh jacobs but you know what like you could talk me out of damian harris or josh jacobs like you know you could you could talk me into putting him right behind clyde Edwards alaire the tier i have edwards alaire damian harris josh jacobs miles sanders all in the same tier and josh jacobs goes right now pick 20 miles sanders goes 28 i have sanders rb 25 so i have him ahead of basically everyone you just listed great day to be great Let's talk about Kenneth Gamewell. A lot of people liked him coming out of Memphis. I don't know what they're putting in the water. In Memphis, those running backs that keep churning out, always fantastic athletes. Now, he had some flashes, most notably that Buccaneers game, even that Cowboys game in Week 18. But man, he usually needed a lot of negative game script to get there. The Eagles did give him 10-plus carries on three occasions. But man, in Week 18... They they said, screw it. They rested their starters, and Boston Scott was rested alongside Miles Sanders, who had the broken hand, but Kenneth Gamble was the one they put out there, and they said, knock, knock yourself out, man. You know, go off. He was out there on pass downs against the Buccaneers. That great. But was he out there on pass downs just because their starting running back had a broken hand? Like, that seems a little bit important in trying to catch the football, Dwayne. I'm not an NFL running back, but I don't know. kind of adds up to me. Why are we drafting Kenneth Gamewell? Because we're not expecting this to be a pass-first offense. We know Jalen Hurts is going to scramble instead of overly checking it down to the running back. And if Miles Sanders does get hurt, fully expecting Boston Scott and Kenneth Gamewell at best to form a two-back committee. But, dude, I think the Eagles would call Jordan Howard in a heartbeat and just get him back in the situation. Like, I don't know if they will ever give Gamewell a featured three-back role. He was a fifth-round pick. Last year, why is everyone still holding on to their pre-draft evaluations for Kenneth freaking Gamewell, Dwayne? Am I just, am I taking crazy polls here? Because I don't understand how Gamewell keeps getting all this hype. He's fine, but the Eagles treat him as a scat back. And I feel like the fantasy community wants him to be so much more. Why should we believe 2022 is going to be anything different for Gamewell when he's got the same players ahead of him that worked ahead of him the entire season last year? Yeah, I think the market is telling you everything you need to know. How low people are on Miles Sanders, that means someone else naturally has to go up. Is a pro, Boston Scott's not the profile that you know people are going to want to buy into. They're going to want to buy into the next youngest running back on the roster, um, you know. And if he can catch passes, that's a bonus. And it's just 
I'm with you. I don't see this huge role for Kenneth Gainwell. But if I had to put a chip on a second back on the offense, I would make it Gainwell over Boston Scott. I know Boston Scott just got the money, but I've seen Boston Scott long enough to know what he is. Kenneth Gainwell, like, could he surprise me this year? Yeah, he could. Um, But I've been in some drafts, dude, where he goes on like round 12 or 13. Like, that's not like his normal ADP, but there are definitely some people that are like way high on Kenneth Gainwell. I think the other thing is the same reason you and I are thinking, well, wow, Miles Sanders had this great offseason. Other folks are saying the same thing for Gainwell. (laughs) You know, oh, nobody added. We already know what Miles Sanders is. It's got to be Kenneth Gainwell. So I think it's really just that. I don't think it's anything that someone saw on a field. Um, you know, I, I agree. It's probably part of it is pre-draft, you know, what the thoughts were around him. But again, like people love potential explosive playmakers with receiving profiles, just because in PPR leagues, we know that that can be a cheat code. And so anywhere you can find it. Great. The problem is when the ADPs get pushed up too much, then you just don't want to be any part of it. I will say with Gainwell, not somebody I'm probably that interested in in best ball. Um, not that I wouldn't throw an occasional dart. Um, I definitely, if in redraft, I like the ability, he's a player that I want to be able to drop. <laughs> because I'm just not sold on what's going to happen uh, with Gainwell and his role. With Scott, I will say um, I was in this uh, sleeper redraft fantasy draft last Friday night with a bunch of uh, Serbian fans of fantasy football. So shout out to any Serbian uh, listeners we have with us today. But this was like 23 or 25 rounds, Dwayne. Like this was going really long. And I was like getting well past the guys I'm used to taking in the last rounds. If you are in one of these just super long drafts that are happening well before the start of the football season, one of the things we always talk about is never draft a defense. What you want to do is draft backup running backs who have a chance to benefit from an injury. Boston Scott and Matt Breida are completely free, and they are the number two running backs on the Eagles and the Giants. I don't think either would get this featured three-down role, but you know, if you're like myself and you find yourself drunk on a nice Friday evening, you know, in round 24 of a fantasy draft, and you just see Boston Scott there, I think there are worse picks there. So that's my tout for Boston Scott, Dwayne, a 24th round pick you can take in place of your defense and then cut in August if, uh, you know, Miles Sanders is perfectly fine. Sound good to you? Yeah. I mean, in Gamewell, it is interesting, man. So like the ADP is, it's 50. His ADP is 50 and you've got guys, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I'm not like completely, you know, just out on him, but I mean, like Tyrion Davis price going 59. That's a player that's close to him. Zamir white, 58 Khalil Herbert's 53 um, Rashad white round uh, pick 44. But then like, there's a lot of guys that are going way after him, um, you know, that I'm looking at and thinking, okay, like what, I don't know that I would take Kenneth Gainwell like 20 spots ahead of them. Like, so like just looking like right now, like Keontae Ingram of the Cardinals, like if, if for some reason James Conner goes down, like I like Keontae Ingram. Um, I, 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 I think I like, I like Keontae Ingram at pick 74 more than I like Kenneth Gainwell at pick 50. I'll say that. Gainwell's best case scenario seems like he's, he would be like an RB three in PPR formats. And it's like you said, even <laughs> if the injuries occur like in front of him, like, are they really just going to give Kenneth Gainwell a role in the style of offense that they want to play? I, I mean, I don't know. I am. I am out on Kenneth Gamewell. Sounds like Dwayne, you are right there with me. Let's talk some wide receivers here. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, Jalen Rager, and Greg Ward forming the group. JJ Ortega, Whiteside now identifying as a tight end. It's 2022. He can do whatever he wants, everyone. AJ Brown mentioned the stats. Anyone's idea of one of the league's best wide receivers. We all get that. What do we make of AJ Brown in Philly, though? So, Dwayne. You have your lovely screen share coming on. And what we're going to see with A.J. Brown is everything I just said about him being elite and basically any efficiency metric you want to look at. But what does that mean for Philly? I will say, maybe he is outside that top tier. But once you get to, and this is, we've had this case, you know, with a couple of wide receivers, like even if you want to be down on, on A.J. Brown, which is, is fair, there are some things that we'll talk through. There's are some reasons for concern. Even if, even if you want to be down on him though, Dwayne, like ranking him past, to me, t- lower than 12th, I just can't do it. And I think even, even a hater lower than 15th, you'd just be hard-pressed to do it because a lot of guys going in that same range have similar sort of offensive issues that are being held against Brown. Right. I mean, really, if you think about it, A.J. Brown um, is very similar to Debo Samuel, who's going, you know, at pick seven um, or as the wide receiver seven. You know, he's in an offense that's going to be run heavy. Um, he just misses having the top, you know, uh, three weapons uh, between top 36 wide receivers and top 12 tight ends and ADP. That's just kind of a way that I'm looking at market sentiment to grade, like 
how we should be using the market to think about, you know, target competition. And so he comes, AJ Brown comes in at a three and Debo's at a two, but really they're the same. You know, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got George Kittle that Debo Samuel's dealing with run heavy offense. Same thing for AJ Brown. Is there a little bit better chance that the Eagles throw the ball more than the 49ers? Yeah. I mean, I I think you could argue that, Um, but I think they're still pretty close. You know, we've got right now, um, AJ, the Eagles uh, projected for 35.9 dropbacks per game. Uh, we have the 49ers projected for 34.7. So we've got them really close. So yeah, to me, like if you're willing to take Debo Samuel um, basically in the first round or right at the beginning of the second round and redraft um, or even in best ball, like AJ Brown just can't be that far behind. It's like you said, like just for the folks that can't can't see this and you're listening to a podcast. um, I mean, every metric from a talent perspective, like aligns with really the top guys, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like Devonte Adams, like he is up there. Like he would be above if if AJ Brown was playing on the Cowboys. Like, and we love CD Lamb, but like if AJ Brown was playing on the Cowboys, he might be our wide receiver one overall. Yeah, I mean that's always been the hope for him. It's just been a problem with getting those targets, and that's why I mean we talked about this when it happened on like draft night. Going from Tennessee to Philly, like you're moving from a run first offense to another run first offense. I mean, he probably has a higher, I think, overall target ceiling in Philly than he did uh, versus Tennessee, which is a positive. But the history of these run first quarterbacks, really not great for the wide receivers. The running backs and tight ends, you can kind of work yourself around wide receivers, not so much. Just seven of the 27 wide receiver ones I studied managed to finish higher than 14th. They were in offenses led by Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Only two offenses actually fielded two top 30 wide receivers. Those were 2020 Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and Deshaun Watson with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller in 2020 as well. So it's just one of those things, Wayne, where I'm okay with AJB around that wide receiver 12 line, but there is a floor here, man. If Devontae is going to make this a 1A, 1B situation, I do worry exactly about what the ceiling is. Right now, looking at underdog ADP, I would take guys that are going later, like T. Higgins and even Keenan Allen ahead of A.J. Brown. Thanks to that superior offensive environment. Keenan, maybe I'm overlooking the age thing a little too much. He did just turn 30, but T. Higgins especially, I would be taking over A.J. Brown. Dwayne, you have him wide receiver 10 he's just so damn talented, man. Like if AJ Brown can't be good in any offense, then who the hell can? Yeah. I've got him right behind T Higgins as well. I've got Higgins at nine, AJ Brown at 10. Then I've got um, Michael Pittman at 11 and Jalen Waddle, you know, at 12. So, I mean, really you've got this tier two, a it's um, these younger players that are not quite at the pedigree level of like the Justin Jefferson's and the, the Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams, you know, level. Um, but they're just under that. But notice, and that's why I love doing the tiers this way, you can also easily see that three of these teams, they are challenged as far as what we think they're going to do from a dropback perspective. T. Higgins has a separate problem. It's called Jamar Chase. <laughs> but like he could easily, I, I rank him above A.J. Brown because I feel like more in the range of outcomes would be all of a sudden the Bengals are like, wow, we upgraded our offensive line. We've got a badass young quarterback. We are just going to unleash the passing attack. And then all of a sudden, T. Higgins is there. We just need the Bengals to be more like they were down the stretch last season than earlier in the year. I think it's a bigger stretch to say that the Eagles all of a sudden are going to go from being a team that won games being basically a 50% dropback team and now also has two other targets A.J. Brown's got to deal with. I feel like there are more obstacles for him versus right? T Higgins, even though his talent profile is actually like very top level matches up with the guys at top. And, and that, and that's really what's keeping AJ, AJ Brown's talent is what's keeping him inside the top 10. Like it would be most receivers cannot overcome like the challenges that he's facing and still be inside the top 10. The other thing is, and we've mentioned it on some of the other pods, honestly, man, there are so many landmines. Like we'd probably just need to do a complete episode walking through the wide receiver tiers again, because like things just are not stacking up. Right. Like quick examples. We know Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, all are in offenses where we know we've got issues as far as the quarterback goes. Right. And we also know that they may not run a lot of pass plays. We think that the, the, the uh, Panthers will, but you know, you got Sam Darnold, maybe it'll be Matt Corral. Then you get to the next tier. Oh, we love Chris Godwin. Guess what? He's hurt. You know, he's coming back from, you know, an ACL injury. You know, you've got um, Jerry Judy hasn't, you know, he's got nice underlying data points, but we haven't seen a complete season from him yet. You know, Mike Williams, we saw eight games of goodness or or, sorry, five games of greatness last year. 
And that's really all we've seen from Mike Williams for his whole career. So, like, are we going to get that five games or are we going to get, you know, what we saw before? Michael Thomas coming back from injury. So I won't belabor all of these. But, like, man, once you get past, like, Tier 2A or in Tier 2B, which I have the two veterans, Mike Evans and, and Keenan Allen, there are so many questions. So that's the other thing that keeps a guy like A.J. Brown from falling a little further. I think if this were last year, A.J. Brown might have ended up like around wide receiver 15 or 16. It's just that there are so many potholes in the road when you're looking at receiver this year. Like, it's a, it's going to be a problem. Like, there's going to be a – we've got to really work through it. There's a lot of luck involved, um, you know, more so than ever, I think, with the wide receivers this year that are going in the mid-rounds. Um, a, a lot of potential um, issues for a lot of them. A.J. Brown or Leonard Fournette? Um, I'm still going to lean to A.J. Brown, but I, I'm probably going to mix them. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to be a hundred percent AJ Brown. Right. Um, but it's going to be more like uh, probably 60, 40, something like that. AJ Brown, but like, but a different bet you could give me is Dwayne girl scouts coming to the door <laughs> and you have to, you know, well, we'd have to put odds on it, but like, you know, you have to pick like which player is going to score more fantasy points this season, AJ Brown or Leonard Fournette. Like, and if they're both healthy, it's definitely going to be Leonard Fournette. Yep. The thing with the running back is like, do you do you deal with an injury? But then you could also the Girl Scout could say, well, AJ Brown, like he misses games every year. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I would definitely say Leonard Fournette if you just made me pick right now and who's going to score my, more fantasy points. And that's kind of where that's why I think when I've been doing these fantasy drafts, like in the first couple rounds, I just find myself coming away with multiple running backs. If I can't get to one of these top 11 wide receivers that I just feel better about. And I know Brown's a, you know, at 10, so he's right there on that borderline. I don't hate him, but using a second round pick on AJB right now is just awfully tough well, dude, for me to stomach. Notice how many wide receiver ones do I even have? I have eight. Yeah. <laughs> there should be 12. I couldn't find 12. So exactly. I that, mean, that's, it's that's indicative the of the issue. Yeah. yeah. So quickly, but at the know, same time, I don't mind going with the double receiver early just because of all the problems we just talked about. With if you can, yeah, if you can get those top eight, that's fine, but I don't want to reach on right. kind of the second. Ah, like you'd love to come those. away with Justin Jefferson and turn around and take Stefan Diggs. Like that would be like, I that still think juicy. the I still think the market's too low on Fournette and Connor and even Saquon. So I'm usually taking those guys ahead of, you know, the perceived, in my opinion, riskier wide receivers in some of those early rounds, then happy to, you know, throw multiple shots at some of the more muddled wide receivers. So the study I keep mentioning about the 27 offenses with the run heavy quarterback. Again, average running, average RB1 was 25th, average wide receiver one, 27th, median moves up to 23. Average wide receiver two, though, Dwayne, wide receiver 55, median only goes up to 51. What is Devontae Smith's ceiling without an A.J. Brown injury? Which, as you brought up, he's not exactly the most, uh, you know, not exactly the most available wide receiver in the world over the years. But with Devontae, man, like everything went pretty good for him last year. He was good. He was dominating target share, dominating air yards. There was not a single other wide receiver in that offense worth worrying about. All it got him was a wide receiver 42 finish in PPR points per game. Barely beat out guys like Jacoby Myers, Marvin Jones, and even Kendrick Bourne. So mentioned before how Russ and Deshaun Watson, the only run-heavy quarterbacks to enable two top 30 wide receivers on a per-game basis. 10 instances of one of these run-heavy quarterback offenses having multiple top 48 receivers. So I'm not saying Devontae is going to fall off a cliff. I'm just not so sure there's a ceiling available in this passing game led by Jalen Hurts. We said a lot of really nice things about Jalen Hurts as a passer, Dwayne. I still don't think he's as good or in that tier even as your Josh Allens, Deshaun Watsons, Kyler Murrays, and Russell Wilsons. Devontae Smith, he's affordable, but do we really want him at that price point? Because I'm not so sure what the upside is. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I think it's tough. I think, but here's the thing. Again, like when we start talking about the receivers that are going around them, like it, it, you're going to get to a point in the draft where you just have, in my opinion, you just have to go ahead and start taking the talent because we have so many questions around every freaking situation. <laughs> you know, it like it gets scary quick, like at wide receivers. So I think you know you're basically going to have to put your chips down on talent. I've got him as a low end wide receiver three right now. I've got him ranked number 34. He's going FFPC uh, wide receiver 35. So look, I mean, it's uh, I'm with you like a run first offense. He's going to be the second option, uh, you know, and, and he may not just be. It may be more like a three A and a three B yep. between him and Goddard and really A.J. Brown's the one A, right? There could be that gap, you know, between them. 
Um, Devonta's got it. You know, the thing he's got going for him, you know, he did have the PFF receiving rookie receiving grade over a 75. So we, we know the talent is there. We haven't seen it for multiple years yet, obviously because he was just a rookie last season. Um, so it's really just you're placing a chip on talent and you know that the way the NFL season can go, it can just be chaotic, right? The Eagles could just come out and do something totally different than what we think on offense. Um, defenses could dictate something to them that make them do something different on offense. We could see an injury to A.J. Brown. I mean, there's just so many different things that can happen in a season. Once I get down into that low end wide receiver three range, um, that's why I built this tier the way I have it. Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman and Traylon Burks. I've got them all sitting there together. Honestly, I take Bateman and Burks over Devontae. When you look at the period after it is the run first period of the offense, basically, but after they traded Zach Ertz, Devontae Smith, the rest of the season had 68 targets. Dallas Goddard had 65. Man, it was definitely 1A, 1B last year. And I do kind of see it being either 1A, 1B, 1C, or AJB's the one, and then a 2A, 2B situation with Devontae and Goddard. I, the talent's there, but man, like I don't really want a really talented wide receiver that's not going to have even 100 targets. So I think Traylon, Drake, London, you know, Darnell Mooney, a bunch of these guys, in my opinion, just have the higher best case scenario than Devontae Smith. Weirder things have happened, but again, with Jalen Hurst, with these run-heavy quarterbacks, it's great for that quarterback. Just don't underestimate the potential negative impact it could have on the rest of the offense. Only one ball to go around, unfortunately, in this 2022 version of the NFL. Yeah, and really, I mean, like that tier, like if you look at for folks that are at home, like and able to watch it on YouTube, you can see the chart. I mean, that's really what the chart tells you to do. Like, you know, when you look at the the talent, Devonta Smith was better than Rashad Bateman last year. Like he he. So if you're making a bet on talent and you think you want to stick with Smith over Bateman, that's fine. But when you look to the right, right, and you look at team projected wins, they're all going to be decent quality offenses. You look at the uh, quarterback ADPs and you can kind of throw that a little bit out the window because both, um, you know, Jalen Hurts and um, Lamar Jackson run, which is what you were just talking about. And if you look at the projected dropbacks per game, they're all pretty similar. But the difference is Devonta Adams, you've got three weapons on the Eagles going inside the top 36 wide receivers and top 12 tight ends. You get to the Ravens, you've only got two, Rashad Bateman plus Mark Andrews. You get to the Titans, zero. There's not any players going inside the top 36 wide receivers or top 12 tight ends from the Titans. So Traylon Burks, you could argue, like just put Traylon Burks at the top of the tier. But again, I build it as a tier. Um, you know, I lean a little bit more to the player that's shown more, but I, but I agree. Like if you're like making decisions across this tier, I'm probably going to spread it out pretty evenly, but I wouldn't blame someone that said, you know, I'm going to take Traylon Burke. Anytime I get to these three, I'm going to take, you know, Traylon Burks, uh, 50% of the time. And then I'm going to split the next 30% to Rashad Bateman and 20% to Devonta Smith. Like I, I would get that. At tight end, Dallas Goddard leading the way. Behind him, we got Jack Stoll, Tyree Jackson, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Richard Rogers, and Grant Calcaterra. We did talk about Grant one more time. How about that? <laughs> uh, last year, after Ertz got traded, Goddard worked as the overall tight end four behind only Mark Andrews, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey from week seven to week 17. Tacked on another 92 yards in that wild card game. He was balling, man. Dallas Goddard has always been someone that we knew had it in him. Zach Ertz was just there taking away too many targets, just like we always knew and still know that Irv Smith has and then him, and now he's going to be balling out this year without Kyle Rudolph there to do the same thing. So back to Goddard, though. Look, he's one of the league's very few tight ends that has a true chance, if not a likely chance, to finish as a top two option in their passing game. Obviously, with AJB now there, more so top three. It is a run first offense, but with these run heavy quarterbacks, they have produced 12 top 12 tight ends, only seven running backs, eight wide receivers since 2015. So even, you know, some of the lesser performing offenses like the Tyrod Taylor groups and, you know, some of the Cam Newton uh, Panthers passing games, like we still saw Charles Clay into a much heavier extent, Greg Olson uh, doing some good things in those offenses. So I think just the way some of those schemes uh, work and rely on the play action, it just naturally kind of lends itself well to the tight end. With that said, we do have AJB there. He's going to be the number one. This is a run first offense. I still like guys like Gronk, Schultz, even TJ Hawkinson and Zach Ertz ahead of Goddard because they have quarterbacks that are not going to be running around as much as Jalen Hurts. They should be sitting there throwing the football. Wick Goddard as a tight end eight. 
I have him as, that's where his ADP is at in underdog right now. I have him as a tight end 10. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to rank him any lower than that. But Dwayne, it's kind of the same thing with Goddard and like Dawson Knox. Not the same player or anything, but I just find myself time and time again being okay to wait several rounds and then either get Gronk, who again, I really think is coming back, or Robert Tunyon, Irv Smith. Overall thoughts on Dallas Goddard and how much exposure you plan on having this year. Yeah, I mean, I have him in a tier um, right there with Schultz and the other guys. But I mean, I look, he's a, he's a more talented player. Again, it comes down to talent versus opportunity. And so d- I think different folks are going to lean different ways. And I think, you know, I, I get it. Like you, you can go either way with the argument because I do think it's pretty close. Um, but if you look at his targets per route run, 19%, 21%, 20%, 20%. So, I mean, like he's been well above um, a lot of the other players um, that we're dealing with in the same tier. And then last year with Zach Ertz moving on, finally his uh, yards per route run got up to a 2.34. So, I mean, like the talent is different, definitely there for Ertz. The problem is the offense, that they're going to be running the ball a lot. So it's really, a, it depends on like, you know, how can, you know, how strong are your convictions? You know, just like with AJ Brown and the other guys, like that the Eagles offense isn't going to change, you know, and if you really think that that offense is not going to change, then I think, yeah, you take, you take a guy like um, Dalton Schultz over Dallas Goddard. But if you think that, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not that sold on the Eagles just continuing to be a run heavy team, then fine. I think you, you can, you can take Dallas Goddard, but I think you're, it's going to be tough for everything to break the way that we need them to, for all of these Eagles to really come through. It's going to be something where, and I know we keep talking about best ball versus, you know, redraft. I think best ball, the Eagles um, players are going to be a lot easier to deal with than it's going to be in a redraft format. I think we're going to have some of these guys where it's just going to be like, man, do we want to put them in our lineup? Because we don't know which one of them is going to go off. It's really difficult when you run the ball as much as the Eagles do. Um, and you already you already laid out the numbers, but even on a week to week basis, we only typically get one of these guys going off. It's pretty rare that we get two. Um, it's hard enough to get one. And just I, I'm sorry to keep harping on Gronk, but he's just such an anomaly right now with where he's going. I mean, still being priced outside the top 12 tight ends, pretty much regardless of the site. And like Dwayne, I was talking to uh, Trevor Sycamore, the resident, you know, Tampa Bay lifer over at PFF about this and just wondering what his thoughts were. I was hoping he had a, uh, you know, just hidden source or something. Just tell me straight up that Gronk was coming back. But instead, he gave me a well thought out and just well researched answer, which I guess I'll take. Thanks for that, Trevor. But yeah, man, you really think Tom Brady is coming back to throw the ball to Cameron Brait and fourth round tight end Kate Otten? You think if they had any doubt in their mind that Gronk wasn't coming back, they would allow OJ Howard to leave for just $3 million that they wouldn't address the position in day one or day two of the draft. Like Godwin's hurt. They need pass catchers. They need Gronk. Gronk's doing Gronk things. He's just freaking chilling. When they changed the uh, CBA, they basically, one of the big reasons they did it was to prevent guys coming back, you know, week eight or week 10, halfway through the season, just skipping everything and only playing in the playoffs. With that not being a possibility, I think it makes all the sense in the world that Gronk is doing Gronk things in the summer. He'll come play football when it's time to put the pads on. I am continuing to draft Gronk in round 10 or 11, man, with absolutely no problem. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I, 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 I really don't look. It, there is a chance like he doesn't play, but I think the answer that Trevor gave you is like, that's the way I think about it. Um, you know, he, he put it in a better way than I would. Um, but yeah, like what's, why would Brady be doing, you know, why would he be coming back if Gronk wasn't? And then why would they also let OJ Howard go? Like, I, I totally agree, agree with that line of thought. And look, here's the thing. Like, I, even if you're wrong, like the price you're getting on Gronk right now, like, especially in redraft where you can still make up for it later and make a change. Like when we know we can stream tight ends and go after a tight, another tight end on the wire later. Like I, it's just, it just makes too much sense with the discount you're getting on ADP. Gronk could be the overall tight end one next year it could happen if we see the same gronk from last season and he doesn't get hurt like he did in like week three or week four he could be the number two pass game option that offense no ab there the, the upside is just out of control for him and yeah to your point like if you miss on your 10th or 11th round pick not ideal but it's not exactly you know ruining your entire chance particularly in redraft where then you can go find someone else so Good stuff on those Philadelphia Eagles. Before we get out of here, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, where it's the best place to play fantasy football this summer. Their best ball mini term has $10 million in total prize money. And with best ball, that's all you got to do. You draft, no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. That's it. Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season. The highest scores at the end of the year when the champion of best ball mania last year drafted in June. So there's no time like the present to join Underdog and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. 
Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. Best deal we have right now for a PFF sub. Again, use code PFF, deposit some money, play $10, and you will get that free PFF sub. Draft your best ball mania team today. Also, shout out to the best lawn care providers out there. Sunday, does your lawn have weeds? Bear patches, pet spots, Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. And they are offering our lovely listeners 20% off. Full season plans start just $129. And you can get 20% off at checkout when you visit getsunday.com slash forecast. That's 20% off your custom plan at getsunday.com slash forecast. Dwayne, do you think the Eagles should be the favorites of the NFC East? I mean, I think it's close. Um, I think it's close. Like if I was, if I was placing a wager, mm-hmm. um, like, I hate to say this, like, do you really want to bet against your own Dallas Cowboys? But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> where the lines are today, I, I feel more comfortable with the Eagles. Still out on Jalen Hurts being the 2023 starting quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, anything's possible. I just think that, you know, if, if Hurts comes out and balls out, like he, he can still own his own destiny. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like if he does come out and ball out and the Eagles are really good this year, they could pass on quarterback. Um, they He could also come out and not play, you know, very well. And, you know, they're going to be in a position to take a quarterback in the first round next year. So uh, look, I think it all just depends on the way he plays. But if I had, if I had to make a choice, I would say most likely he's not the starting quarterback next year. We're not concerned about Gardner Minshew for this year, though, right? I feel like that would have already happened last year if there was a legitimate concern about Hurts running this offense. If there's a trapdoor floor for Hurts, it's that. Yeah. Um, because if the Eagles are playing well, and now that they've you know, gone and added A.J. Brown, you draft Devonta Smith in the first round last year, you know, you paid Goddard. Um, I, I could see them getting to a point, like if, if they started really badly, I don't think he's completely safe. I think you could see Gardner Minshew. I think that's that's the trap. But the upside is so high with him and where you're getting him and from an ADP standpoint, it's just a risk that's fine to yep. take. But that probably is a good enough reason why we shouldn't be getting too greedy and throwing him into that top five mix. Like that would be the differentiator. I'm not worried about, you know, Huntley taking over for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Right. I don't think Kyler Murray has to worry about Colt McCoy sneaking up behind him and taking that job the same way maybe with Minshew. So not a big concern, but, you know, a tiebreaker down the stretch. That's fine. I did put a poll up on my Twitter just saying, who do you think will be a 2023 week one starter? Jalen Hurts, Tua, both or neither. And including the both and the Jalen, 78.8% of you think that Jalen Hurts will be a 2023 week one starter. Seems a little optimistic, but I'd probably put it around, I think it's more in that 50 to 60% range, Dwayne, because it's not even that it's an indictment on Hurts. I just think that based on this quarterback class coming up and just the new kind of ability for teams to move these veteran quarterbacks that are kind of more proven, uh, again, it's not saying that Hurts is going to get beat out by Minshew or a lesser player, but I think it's fair to say he's not this top 10, top 12 passer, probably probably won't ever be. And with that in mind, you could see the Eagles move in a different direction because clearly they're in their, they're in their win now window right now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, if you want to make it a coin flip, I think that's fine. But uh, if I had to pick, I would say he's not the starter next year. We will find out and we will, Get through plenty more team previews for the rest of this summer. Going to have Washington and the Giants along the way after we finish the NFC East. I think we're moving on to the AFC North, but we will figure that out at a later date. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 